Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be looking at John Calvin's own doctrine of special enlightening, special Gnostic enlightening. And we're going to look at his commentaries on 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is a typical text that the Calvinists turn to, to try to say that, yeah, let's say you're in a debate and you're winning the debate. They'll turn here and they'll say, oh, you just don't understand because you're not spiritually enlightened. See, I got a proof text that says that people um, who are reading apparently my proof text can't understand my proof text because they don't have the enlightening. That's what they're trying to prove to you by using a proof text, which is very circular because you don't. if you don't have the special enlightening, how are you going to read their proof text to prove that only the special enlightened people can read their proof text? It's self-defeating, but in their mind, it works out. In their mind, they had the special enlightening, so they could say whatever they want, whenever they want, and not be challenged. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 15. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Calvin writes, But the animal man, by the animal man he does not mean, as is commonly thought, the man that is given up to the lusts, or, as they say, to his own sensuality, but any man that is endowed with nothing more than the faculties of nature. This is a really interesting point. In our podcast on Origin of Alexandria, Origen defined various types of people. There are some people who are like animal people, people who don't have the capacity to understand the spiritual things. They're just like human animals. It really looks like to me this is what Calvin is affirming as well. There are people among us who do not have reasoning faculties. They are just going about their day-to-day life just like an animal would, just like a pig has natural functions that the pig is going to go through, or the squirrel does the squirrel things. There is an animal man, according to Calvin, and this is a man. It's not a, not someone who's just uh, depraved in their heart or, or just really wants sensuality, sexuality, but this person has a defective faculty of nature, as Calvin puts it. His mind just doesn't work right. He does not have the special enlightening that Calvin is going to describe. This appears from the corresponding term, for he draws a comparison between the animal man and the spiritual. As the later denotes a man whose understanding is regulated by the illumination of the Spirit of God, there can be no doubt that the former denotes the man that is left in a purely natural condition as they speak, for the soul belongs to the nature, but the spirit is of supernatural communication. We see here he start, starts talking about the illumination of the spirit of God. The spiritual man has been illuminated, and the natural man goes about thinking his everyday thoughts. He returns to what he had previously touched upon, for his object is to remove a stumbling block which might stand in the way of the weak. That's actually really interesting because in context, in Paul's next chapter, he basically tells his listeners, Christians, who are supposedly enlightened, who supposedly supposedly care about spiritual things, that they can't understand spiritual things as well. Calvinists tend not to internalize that part. They don't internalize that into their theology when talking about this part specifically. As Paul 
when he's talking about this verse, when Paul wrote this verse, is he talking about a spiritual condition, a condition that needs an on-off switch flipped? Or is he talking practicality, that people have decided to set their mind on earthly things rather than spiritual things with the here and now, which makes them fleshly people? Which one is it? And I, I don't think we can, as Calvin does, just assume his answer. I would think our default belief would be that Paul is not talking metaphysics. It tends to be in these situations that Paul doesn't talk metaphysics. For example, in Romans 1.18, Paul is talking about a similar subject in which God judges people because these people are culpable because they should have known better. God has done all he can to make himself known to these people. God is being rejected by the people, and the people are culpable. I don't think this is metaphysics. It's not an on-off switch or anything like that. And he's probably not even talking about people who die in childhood, people who die in utero. It's, it's not everyone. Specifically, it's more about the enemies of God throughout the world. Even people who haven't particularly encountered Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, or of any information regarding Yahweh, who the true God is. So we return back to Calvin, that there were so many that despised the gospel He shows that we ought to make no account of a contempt of such a nature as proceeds from ignorance, and that it ought, consequently, to be no hindrance of the way of our going forward in the race of faith, unless, perhaps, we choose to shut our eyes upon the brightness of the sun, because it is not seen by the blind. I don't think that's what's going on here. I don't think that uh, Paul's talking about people who are just ignorant. It seems to be willful and malicious. When we flip back to 1 Corinthians 2.8, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. I don't think he's talking about, oh, they were just ignorant of these certain facts. I think instead this is a condemnation of them, that they're willfully ignorant, rejecting what they could have known, and now they are culpable for it. Remember back to Romans, Paul has the idea that your ability to choose or not to choose God, that results in the culpability of whether you deserve punishment or do not deserve punishment. It would, however, argue great ingratitude in any individual when God bestows upon him a special favor to reject it on the ground of its not being common to all, whereas, on the contrary, its very rareness ought to enhance its value. This is part of the Calvinist trying to subvert value systems. He understands, Calvin understands, that there is criticism against a God who selects only a few and doesn't give everyone the same opportunity. We're going to go with opportunity. If not everyone gets the same opportunity to believe, then God is culpable. Calvin retorts, he says that just because God does select only a few, we should value this choosing more than we would otherwise. We shouldn't uh, condemn this choosing as unfair we should, in fact, embrace it higher than we would otherwise. It's one of these uh, Calvinist subversion of values. They're trying to flip the script and create a frame that allows their theology to be viewed as less morally repugnant. For they are foolishness to them, neither can he know them. The doctrine of the gospel, says he, is insipid in the view of all that are wise merely in the view of man. But whence comes this? Is it from their own blindness? In what respect, then, does this detract from the majesty of the gospel? In short, while ignorant persons depreciate the gospel because they measure its value by the estimation in which it is held by men, 
Paul derives an argument from this for extolling more highly its dignity. This is just a resummation of his previous point. We should value it more because it is exclusive. For he teaches that the reason why it is contempted is that it is unknown. And the reason why it is unknown is that it is too profound and sublime to be appreciated by the understanding of man. Man's just too dumb. Man needs a special enlightening to understand these spiritual things. What a superior wisdom this is, which so far transcends all human understanding, that man cannot have so much as a taste of it! Exclamation point. While, however, Paul here tactically imputes it to the pride of the flesh that mankind dare to condemn as foolish what they do not comprehend, he at the same time shows how great is the weakness, or rather bluntness, of the human understanding, when he declares it to be incapable of spiritual apprehension. See, look, look at what's going on here. We need the divine spark. Human beings without God have no access to the spiritual. They need an enlightening. We are too dumb. We don't have the mental facilities. It's not, it's not just that God shows us the truth and teaches us the truth, and then we understand the truth. Our mind has to be fundamentally regenerated and changed in order to come to spiritual conclusions. For he teaches that it is not owning simply to the obstinacy of the human will, but to the impotency also of the understanding. That man does not attain to the things of the Spirit. He has said that men are not willing to be wise. That indeed would have been true, but he states farther that they are not able. Hence we infer that faith is not in one's own power, but is divinely conferred. This is it. You need special elect enlightening. Man is not able to understand without God flipping a switch in his brain. Because they are spiritually discerned, that is, the Spirit of God, from whom the doctrine of the gospel comes, is its only true interpreter to open it up to us. Hence, in judging it, men's minds must of necessity be in blindness until they are enlightened by the Spirit of God. Hence, infer that all mankind are by nature destitute of the Spirit of God, otherwise the argument would be inconclusive. It is from the Spirit of God, it is true, that we have that feeble spark of reason which we all enjoy. He uses the word spark. This is the divine spark. It's divine enlightenment. But at present, we are speaking of that special discovery of heavenly wisdom which God vouchsafes to his sons alone. Hence the more insufferable of the ignorance of those who imagine that the gospel is offered to mankind in common in such a way that all indiscriminately are free to embrace salvation by faith. That last sentence I'm going to read again. He's saying this is insufferable, this is an insufferable view. People who believe that all people are capable of understanding spiritual things are insufferable. Hence, the more insufferable the ignorance of those who imagine that the gospel is offered to mankind in common in such a way that all indiscriminately are free to embrace salvation by faith. So we have talked about these verses before in this podcast, and not in specific uh, conflict with how Calvin interprets it, but it has been mentioned before that Calvinists use this passage to try to say, we win the debate because we're talking and arguing, for some reason these people think that it's worthwhile in their time to argue with people who they think cannot understand the Bible, just literally cannot. So like, if I went to like a mental facility and started arguing physics with mental patients, 
maybe, maybe, just maybe I belong also in that mental institution. This is what we're dealing with with Calvinists. They don't actually believe their own theology. They're trying to make converts. They're trying to convert people to their thinking. They believe that these things can happen through logic and reasoning. They don't actually believe that they have the special enlightening. It's just a tool in their chests when they are losing debates such that they could withdraw and still claim victory. But their own actions betray them. They'll sit and argue. They'll try to convince you. They will deal with people as if those people can understand spiritual things. And then at long last, if they don't get through, they just retreat, throw these verses out, and leave and declare victory. Calvin does this too. We see Calvin in his interpretation. This is a Gnostic spark. It's Gnostic enlightening. It's something they actually believe, and it's one of the core tenets of Gnosticism. Calvinists literally teach the core tenets of Gnosticism. Now, this is not probably going to be exclusive to Calvinists. I've dealt with some non-Calvinists who also believe that there's a divine spark that has to happen in our brain in order to start understanding things that God says to us. I just don't think that's what's going on in these biblical texts or any biblical texts. Instead, you see, like in Romans, all people have been afforded opportunities. God, in in Acts, mankind has ignored him in favor of other gods. Now he commands all men to repent. Not all types of men, all men. God is interested in the whole world. Anyways, this is just a follow-up to our last podcast in which the Gnostics said the same thing. That the non-elect, the people without the sparks, they're just ignorant. They don't have the mental capacity. You need this divine spark. Calvin goes ahead and dehumanizes people just like Origen of Alexandria. There are just animal people walking around. They don't have facilities. You, you don't even have to treat them like a real thinking individual. They're nothings. They don't have that divine spark that gives them the value to understand spiritual things. They're animals. Anyways, questions and comments on this podcast, put that down below or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Thank you for listening.